Welcome to Clear Out. I am your host, Nihal Qatar. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Sahil. Sahil, I got a question for you. Who do you have in a fight? Nikola Jokic and his brothers, or Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris, and Jimmy Butler? Who's winning that fight? Uh, I feel like I feel like I gotta go Nikola Jokic and his brothers. Like that Twitter account that his brothers just made, very mysterious with the blank Abby. I don't know. I feel like I got to take the defending MVP and his two seven-foot brothers. I, I feel like I'm going that direction. Are they seven foot? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Oh or near God. it. Well, I was going to take them anyway, but that puts it over the top. I'm 100% taking the Jokic brothers. For those of you that don't know, uh, Nikola Jokic and Markeith Morris got into an altercation when the Nets were playing the Nuggets earlier in the week. Um, yeah, there was a hard foul, uh, two hard fouls, really, and then Nikola Jokic sort of shoved... Markeith Morris. Uh, Jokic is suspended for one game because of it. Um, but uh, really interesting stuff. Uh, you know, Marcus Morris, uh, Markeith's twin, and the Jokic brothers sort of got into it on Twitter. So that's just something to watch out for when Marcus goes up against Jokic next. Um, so moving on, we have a packed show today. We are going to be talking about four teams that have had surprising starts to the season. And uh, we're going to round out the show with a new segment that Sahil came up with. But before that, we're going to be talking, we wanted to talk a little bit about Robert Sarver and sort of the the article that broke uh, a few days ago about the toxic culture within the Phoenix Suns organization. Um, You know, a lot of misogyny, racism, uh, Sarver would go in and berate the coaches. So, you know, just a lot of messy stuff coming out of Phoenix. Sahil, what do you think the league should do in this situation? What do you think the best next step is? Well, I feel like once they complete their investigation, I feel like the only fitting conclusion, the only right thing to do would be to no longer allow Robert Sarver to be involved with the league anymore. I feel like when you read Baxter Holmes' story on ESPN, there's just a clear running track record of misogyny, racism, toxic power dynamics throughout his tenure there. And I mean... Obviously, several people have been damaged. There's been several victims. And, you know, you have a lot of these victims recounting the exact same story from different, you know, several different sources, over 70 employees he talked to, uh, Baxter Holmes talked to. So clearly, I don't see that there's any other resolution besides um, removing Robert Sarver from his affiliation with the league. Absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. Unfortunately, this type of culture and these dynamics are pervasive in American sports and, you know, I think in, in American culture as a whole in, in the few corporate or office settings that I've been in, um, there's just been some similar dynamics. Obviously, we've seen recently in the NFL and the NBA with, with the Mavericks, the Washington football team, the Carolina Panthers, these teams coming under investigation because of the culture that exists within the organization. It's something that we do need to root out and, uh, you know... I think the people who came forward and stepped forward and shared what was going on uh, are really brave, and I'm, I'm glad they did it because, like I said, we do need to root this out. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to be cynical, but I don't think Sarver is the only person who's like this in the NBA or, or in the NFL or MLB. But, you know, as long as he leaves, I think it's a good first step, and, and you know, we can continue moving forward. Um, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think even recently there's been, there was a report with not much specifics, but that Neil O'Shea might have contributed to some toxicity within the Portland Trailblazers. And I think the NBA opened up an investigation on that as well. 
but we don't really know that many specifics about that. But it's disappointing on one hand, but obviously, as you said, it's probably happening all over the league, and it's good that it's finally getting out and uh, people are brave enough to uh, speak out. And, um, you know, not that people, you know, not that you can blame people for not speaking out because of fear of retaliation and everything else, but um, it's good that the more light is being shed on this issue. And it's been strange to see the Suns kind of vehemently defend themselves and Robert Sarver really try to defend, like, a lot of these claims, and that's that's in the story. But, um, I mean, I think it's clear when you read the story and the sources that um, there's this this track record of of this toxicity and that the, the only reasonable conclusion to come out of this is that he should be removed. And um, he's they're not going to go down without a fight, apparently, but I think he's going to deserve what's coming to him. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's interesting because just the the concept of an owner uh, of a, a sports franchise, I personally think is really weird. Um, and it just sort of lends itself to problems like this. Um, you know, also there's, there's a whole host of other problems like relocation and holding cities hostage for funding. But specifically with this, because it is the owner of the organization, Basically, the entire organization and the team needs to stand behind the owner, or he can force them to do that. If it was the GM that did something objectionable, I'm sure they would have just fired him, and they would have put out a statement condemning it. But because he's the owner of the Suns, the Suns have to vehemently defend it, like you said, which is kind of messed up when you think about it, because I'm sure there's a lot of people in the organization that don't agree with it, uh, clearly. Um, And some of the stuff was really distressing like people not being able to go to hr um with their problems uh you know people in hr compelling their uh co-workers to talk to them off the record so they could tell them to sue the organization that just speaks to the culture that exists within the suns and uh hopefully sarver will no longer be a part of the organization going forward all right moving on like i said we will be talking about four teams that have had surprising starts to the seasons uh, maybe not you know teams that we saw as playoff teams but have proved to be kind of frisky uh, and those four teams that we're going to be talking about are the Grizzlies Cavs Wizards and Raptors we're going to be starting off with the Memphis Grizzlies Sahel what have you seen from the Grizzlies this season that's contributed to their strong start well I mean it starts with Ja Morant obviously he looks better than ever um potentially like almost like a most improved player of the year candidate even though I mean even though it was expected that he was going to improve he has really just elevated his game to another level kind of verging on that superstar territories I mean he's been he's played like a superstar this year and a lot of that started with some some good three-point shooting but that's fallen off but he's still maintained productivity getting his teammates involved being able to punish drop coverage with some nice short mid-range shots um, getting to the rim, those highlight dunks that we know him for. So he's been absolutely incredible offensively, and um, it starts with him. But I think the next biggest thing that I'd say for them offensively was is Desmond Bain. He's, um, I believe, almost doubled his uh, his points per game and really has boosted offensive production and is doing so efficiently. He's really become a dynamic three-point catch-and-shoot guy, and he's um, he's also handling the ball and creating a lot more than he did last season. I believe his usage is quite a bit up. So I think... I think those are the two biggest reasons that that Grizzlies offense is looking better this season. What do you think? Well, I mean, I I 100% agree with you. I think 
the Grizzlies, John Morant has been maybe the most fun player in the league to watch this season. He and Steph are, are right up there. Great uh, league pass team if you guys have a chance to watch them. Um, and, you know, they just have a really good young core. You know, Dylan Brooks is out right now. I think when they get him back, they'll get even better. Coming into the season, you know, they had a really great end to last season where they beat the Warriors in the play-in and, and made the playoffs, and I think that was a great first step. I think some of the moves in the offseason were a bit head-scratching, getting rid of Jonas Valanciunas and bringing in Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe, who they eventually traded, getting rid of Grayson Allen, who's been playing fantastically well for the Bucks recently. I think keeping those two players would have been helpful for this team, but offensively, this team has been really exciting to watch and um i think a big part of that like you said is john morant i also think someone you didn't mention is d'anthony melton uh his ability to handle and pass the ball uh is great um and i think he's going to be um a really good player for them going forward uh you know the, the biggest problem with this team right now is their defense uh, i think they're i believe they're ranked last in the nba and yep. and defense that's a big issue Steven Adams is just not a great fit. Uh, you know, he's just not a great fit in the NBA anymore. Um, and I think they would really benefit from having a five that can stretch the floor so Ja has the paint to himself. Obviously, they play Jaron at the f- Jaren Jackson at the five quite a bit. Um, but I just don't think Kyle Anderson is the right answer at, at, as a four. So I think what they really need to do is reintegrate Brandon Clark back into the rotation he just, you know, he just in some games hasn't played. He just hasn't broken into the rotation. He's healthy. He's there, um, but he just hasn't played. He's a really nice player. He can, he, I think he can be a good spot up shooter going forward. Um, you know, and he's continued to improve his scoring ability. Uh, even in the last two seasons, I think he's made strides scoring off the dribble. Uh, and I think defensively, he's he's someone who can guard multiple positions. And you know, this season. Um, it, when Kyle Anderson is playing at the four and Jaron Jackson's at the five, and when Jaron Jackson and Xavier Tillman are at uh, are on the floor together, they both have significant uh, negative point differentials per 100 possessions. Uh, Jackson and Anderson uh, ha- are, are at minus 26, and, J- and Jackson and Tillman are at minus 27.5. But when Clark and Jaron Jackson are on the floor as a four and five, they have a plus 47 point differential per 100 possessions. Wow. Granted, it's only been 52 possessions, so it's a small sample size. But, I mean, there's just a, there's a stark difference that you can see there. And I think that once they unlock that lineup, that's going to be huge for them. And they'll sort of be able to build off that success. I mean, they're, they're in a good place. They're 6-4 they're and four right now. But, um, you know, I think they are going to have to be better if they want to make some noise and maybe even win a playoff series uh, right. this year. Yeah, no, I feel like top top 10 if they can hang around top 10 defense or an offense and get kind of closer to average by the end of the season that's kind of their formula to really um upgrade on their previous seasons two seasons ago they lost to the play in last year they won the play and made the playoffs but they want to give themselves a better chance in that first round this year so i think if they can improve that defense like you said i think going to some of those looks will really help them i think steven adams is just kind of limited to that drop defense and i don't even think he's doing a particularly good job of contesting guys at the rim um, one thing that might swing in their favor is that opponents are shooting near 40% on threes against them, even with three-point shooting being down across the league. So expect that number to go down and in turn the Grizzlies defense to get a little bit better. But 
They've also just had some general issues guarding cutters. Um, just in the half court, they've been a little bit out of sorts. John Morant's expending a lot of energy on offense, so he's been um, a little bit lackluster on defense on certain possessions. But um, they can also look forward to Dylan Brooks coming back, who's recovering from a fractured left hand. He was obviously one of their better defenders, and he was willing to take on tough assignments. So they do have stuff to look forward to there. Um, can I talk a little bit about Jaron Jackson? Because I think he's been pretty interesting. Um, so over half of Jaron's shots have been threes this year. So, you know, if they sign him to a big contract, you kind of want to see some more variety in his offensive game, but he just appears to not be super physical in the paint, still likes to space the floor. And that's kind of partly what they need also with Steven Adams in the paint. So it's not entirely up to him, but defensively, as you said, he, he can play a little bit of five, but I think he's going to need to, um, play a little bit better defense with those fives and have some help with Brandon Clark next to him. But it'll be interesting. I think Grizzlies fans might be a little bit nervous about that contract, but um, we got to give him time. Still recovering from that injury that he had. Um, he came back from that injury last season. Still reco- I mean, he's still getting into the swing of things, but I think he's going to need to have a more varied offensive game and be able to hang with fives a little bit better um, in order to uh, be that um, the player that they need him to be. He's still an impact guy defensively. Block, was blocking a lot of shots this year, but he's got to be able to um, handle those assign those one on one assign one on one assignments at the five. And um, I think he's he'll make progress, but something to watch. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Jaron, he's not necessarily. You know, I I thought he would be a superstar potentially, but he is, I think, just a really solid player, and. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for him also is, is staying healthy, honestly. Uh, you know, I, he hasn't always been on the floor, so I think it'll be good for him just to continue getting a run out with this team. And, you know, I, he's a big part. He's a big part of their success if they want to be successful going forward. Something you did mention about the threes, I mean, I agree. I think that will sort of balance itself out. They actually give up the second fewest corner threes in the NBA, which is great. Um, but they give up, they're, they're in the bottom eight for, for shots given up at the rim. So, like you said, you know, Steven Adams hasn't been effective as that interior uh, defender, but th- I think they are giving up mostly above the break threes. So I, I just, I don't see how that's going to sustain uh, teams shooting that well against them. Right. Taylor Jenkins, um, obviously from that kind of Bud, I mean, you know, he was part of Bud's coaching staff, so... They like to give up those above the break threes, not so much the corner threes, and I think I think that'll start to even out. Absolutely. All right, moving on. Next up are the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, the Cavaliers have been exciting, man. Obviously, there was the not so great news of Colin Sexton getting hurt. He tore his meniscus against the Knicks on Sunday. He'll be out for the foreseeable foreseeable future. No specific timetable yet, but, um, you know, that's a tough blow for them. Although I do think uh, Sexton, you know, he's an exciting player, but I don't think his injury is the end of the world for the Cavs. Uh, He's been pretty inefficient, uh, and I think this will allow players like Garland and Rubio just to handle the ball more, which ultimately I think will be good for their offense. Yeah, I think Sexton, as you said, was having a pretty uneven season. He was also turning the ball a lot, along with being inefficient, and turning the ball over has been kind of a common theme throughout his career. 
Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they kind of resolve those minutes. Um, Rubio was already at around 27 minutes per game, so I'm not, with his age, I'm not sure exactly how much they're going to want to push him. Um, perhaps some more Isaac Okoro, someone I was pretty high, he's someone who, uh, who I was pretty high on going into the season, but still has not been great offensively, and he's only been averaging 20 minutes per game, though, so maybe he can see a tick up if he starts um, playing better offensively. But um, what they did last game was they started Dean Wade, who's not great offensively, but he's put in some good work defensively and seems overall pretty helpful, so we'll see how he does. But... Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they can um, how they can just cover up those minutes that Sexton was taking up before. Absolutely, and honestly, we're kind of bearing the lead here. Um, Darius Garland has been awesome. Jarrett Allen has been really good for them as well. But Evan Mobley has been great. I mean, in my opinion, I think he's been the best rookie uh, so far this year. He's been good on offense, average to good on offense. Uh, he's coming off a 26-point game, and um, he's been really good on defense. He's, he's that versatile, rangy defender that we thought he was going to be. And the ability for Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley to get boards has been huge for them. Uh, they're number one in the NBA in contested rebounds, and just getting those opportunities and taking – I mean, a contested rebound is effectively something you're taking away from your opponent, right? So, and also something you're gaining. So being able to get those opportunities is huge for them. I do think probably their biggest problem is not having great off-ball shooters, just spot-up shooters. Uh, you know, their entire offense is predicated on, on the pick and roll, which makes sense. You have ball handlers like Sexton, Rubio, and Garland, and then you have two big guys um, in Allen and Mobley. But they do shoot the fourth fewest corner threes in the league. Um, and they actually few, few, shoot the sixth fewest threes overall in the league. Um, and I just think that they, they need to either add a I mean, they probably just need to add a player who gives that dimension in their offense. Someone who can just sit in the corner um, and, and, and make those threes. Because the pick and roll with, with their guards uh, and their big men is effective. Having someone who can capitalize on those pick and rolls uh, in the corner would be huge for them. Yeah, I mean, it almost makes you wonder a little bit about getting letting go of Larry Nance, right? Um, he was definitely that shooter. That he's he's on defense. He's a pretty versatile guy, and he can definitely knock down some open three pointers on offense. That that he would get looks, you know, uh, out of the pick and roll, but. Um, yeah, I like what you said about Mobley. He's been just a huge impact guy defensively, but it's not just that he's kind of making plays defensively. He also knows his coverages super well. He can guard in isolation. He can guard and drop. He can switch. He can switch basically on every position, and he compensates on offense for his lack of shooting with some pretty good passing, and he's been shooting super well at the rim as well. So... Um, and I could see his three-pointer uh, getting there as well. He's just—he's got a lot of tools on offense. He's not, you know, quite polished at anything, but he can go. A, he, I could see a lot of different ways he can be effective on that, and especially, especially if he's not—he's not being relied upon to be like the number one guy. But as you said, he's already been scoring in splash in splashes at um, various points here. So, um, yeah, he's been good. And then you alluded to a little bit, but Darius Garland—I've really liked what I've seen out of him too. Um, He's been super efficient, and his decision-making has also been really good. He's been throwing up some good lobs to Mobley and really working in that pick-and-roll. Absolutely. Ricky, Ricky Rubio has been awesome, too. He's shooting over 40%, or he's shooting around 40% from three, 
he is he has the highest assist percentage in the league so he's been facilitating the offense really well um and and he's been able to shoot uh the ball super well he's coming off a crazy game against the Knicks where he scored 37 points and shot nearly 90 percent from three so he's been you know honestly good pickup some uh, someone we weren't really sure why they were getting but I mean I guess that's sort of proven us wrong um but like I said they just they don't have wing players and they need to add uh, a good wing in my opinion um, anything else on uh, this team? Uh, I know you were mentioning Laurie Markkinen before when we were talking about them. What have you seen from him? Yeah, I think he's been pretty inefficient so far, but he's been pretty, he's kind of impressed me defensively, which I think might be a good sign because we know he can knock down shots. So hopefully that starts to work in their favor for his perspective and for the team as a whole. Like you said, Rubio has been, um, yeah, I think he hit like eight threes in a game the other night. You know, that's probably going to go down, but his, his shooting has gradually gotten better over the course of his career, so I think we can expect, like, passable shooting even with that super slow wind-up that, that he has. Um, yeah, I think the the point of attack defense has been a little rough, which is, you know, to be expected, but, um, yeah, Allen and Mobley, they've been, they've just been really fun to watch on the offensive glass, as you were saying before, and they've been super efficient around the rim, so I think if they just can kind of balance that that rim efficiency with some more three-point efficiency they can have a more dangerous offense right now they're 15th in offense and 18th in defense so um i think what did i say did i say 17th or 18th in defense for my specific prediction i said i said at least but you said 17 okay so they're they're getting there they're getting there um (laughs) hopefully they can uh they can finish above 17th and i can get that one correctly but a lot of that is a credit to to evan mobley who's been such a joy to watch and uh, yeah, can't say enough good things about him. But yeah, that's um, I think that's all I have on the Cavs. Yeah, I mean the, they are currently seven and four. The East is really interesting uh, this year. The Hawks, Celtics, and Bucks are currently not in playoff positions. I expect the Bucks to obviously once they get healthy pick it up. Um, but you know, I did mention before the season. I think it's going. The East is pretty deep, um, and I think people are kind of sleeping on how deep the East is. So. Uh, exciting stuff there. Another Eastern Conference team that's been surprising are the Washington Wizards. They started off 7-3. and three. I think, honestly, for me, looking at it, it's not super surprising. I think they just got better as a team. You know, getting rid of Russell Westbrook and then bringing in really nice role players in Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrezl Harold, and I think the best one, Spencer Dinwiddie, has been incredible f- for their offense um, and has allowed them has allowed Bradley Beal to have freedom without having to have another star, you know, really take away touches from him on the team. Yeah, absolutely. And they're, they're only 15th in offense right now, but I think they have some more room to work. Bradley Beal hasn't gotten up to like the most efficient start. Um, he's not shooting the ball uh, well from deep at all, but um, he's never been like an amazing three-point shooter, but I think he's in the 20s right now, so he'll get that up. And um, I really have liked the Contavious Caldwell-Pope fit on offense. They're really going to need him to be that shooter because honestly, I think I do see like the Cavaliers, just a lack of shooting, but he's shooting 40% from deep this year. And if he can do that, we know what he does on the other end. So I think he can be a really, really important player for them. And we're seeing kind of uh, the effect of his loss in Los Angeles right now. But the Wizards, I mean, fifth in defense, like they haven't had a top 10 defense in like a very long time. So that's pretty exciting for them. And um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, 
their starting front court or their or their starting centers or their starting centers Daniel Gafford who I think is showing a lot of flashes defensively. Um, I'm not sure if he always knows what he's doing. Like he messes up some coverages every now and then. And Montrose Harrell, we know his limitations. He's probably not going to be the best playoff defender, but I like the effort I've been seeing from him. From him, so yeah, Westhouse Unsell Juniors got them playing some good defense, and that's really refreshing based on what we've seen the last few seasons from Washington. Absolutely, I mean, and like you said, I think like adding Cantavius Caldwell Pope has been really nice for them in that respect. Um, also, it looks like Rui Hachimura will be coming back within the next couple of weeks, so that'll be a good add for them. Um, I'm excited to see how he's developed, if he's developed, and if he can become a good role player in the NBA. I mean, he's shown flashes, but um, if he can become just an, I mean, it's easier said than done, but if he can become a pretty efficient scorer, uh, I think, you know, he, he just adds another player off the bench that can, that can be kind of scary for them. Um, I, I do think this is a team that's more fool's gold than the other teams we've been talking about. I mean, I think they will be decent throughout the entire season. Um, but I, I just, I'm not sure if, I don't think their defense is sustainable. I don't think it will right. be sustainable. Uh, and, you know, I, I think they don't match up very well against, well, I mean, I always look at things to the Bucks, but I just don't think they match very well against a team like the Bucks. Um, and, you know, a player like Montrezl Harrell just isn't a good playoff player. And, you know, I think, it is useful to just not think about the playoffs. It's the regular season. Let's have fun enjoying these teams. But I, I think it just has to be said, as you know, Montrez Harrell, he, he's kind of sputtered in the playoffs the last few years. But um, they are exciting. They've got a, just really good, solid players throughout uh, the roster that are playing. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them more. I haven't watched much of them, but uh, they sound like a fun watch for sure. Yeah, I think... To your point that you don't see their success being sustainable, they've been really good on defense, obviously, fifth in defense, as I said. And But one thing to look out for is that on the opposite end of uh, what what team was it? The uh, Grizzlies we were talking about. They were opponents are shooting 40% against them from three. Against the Wizards, opponents are shooting under 30% from three. So I think in some cases, um, those missed threes have been kind of bailing out poor point of attack defense from Dinwiddie and Beal. And they're actually giving up the most attempts from three. So you feel like that might come back to hurt them. Um, that, you know, since they're giving up so many attempts from three, teams are going to start making them and their defense is going to look a little worse from there. Um, I do want to mention, though, for their improvement defensively, Kyle Kuzma has also turned into a pretty good multi-positional defender. And um, he hasn't been super efficient this year, but he's definitely taken on defensive responsibility, which is cool to see. Um, so, yeah. A hundred percent. All right, moving on. The next team we're going to be talking about is, or in the last team, is the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors have been, you know, they have one of the best coaches in the NBA, if not the best coach in the NBA, and Nick Nurse. They, they started off strong, six and five. Um, and, you know, Scotty Barnes has been really good. You know, a player that uh, he kind of is, he's super polished and uh, he can kind of do it all almost. Um, but for me, what's been really impressive for, for them is OG Ananobi and his development to his offensive game. He's just, there is a market improvement in terms of him getting to the basket and scoring off the dribble. He has been less efficient this year, but he does have a bigger role in the offense. Uh, and 
in terms of ball handling. So I think he's just going to continue to improve and continue to become more efficient. But these are aspects of his game that we just didn't see before. He really just was a spot-up shooter in the corner for the most part. So I'm really excited about uh, his development as well. What have you seen from the, the Raptors that excites you this season? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you about OG Ananobi. Big uptake in usage. Um, uptick, I should say. Um, he's not been super efficient, as you said, and I think one of his issues is he's not been able to get to the line as much, but he's definitely shown a lot, um, added a lot to his game. I mean, uh, he's been able to take guys on in the post, punish, punish mismatches off of switches, and he's kind of got a, a nice turnaround shot that he's been working on, so... Um, I'd like to see him get downhill just a little bit more, get to the line a little bit more, but these are all growing pains that are going to come with his, you know, advanced role that he's taken on. Um, I mean, their defense is just super fun to watch. They're eighth in defense, and they've got just a lot of good defenders. Fred Van Vliet, I think one of the more underrated defenders in the league. Gary Trent Jr., I think, has been uh, atop the league in steals. Um, And Scotty Barnes, his defense has been awesome. He's a very opportunistic, fearless defender, does a great job of not fouling, especially for a rookie. And uh, while I'm talking about Scotty Barnes, I mean, yeah, he's been super fun to watch, as you said. Uh, Really gets them going in transition. It's a joy to watch them in transition with Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi. And um, he's just able to really make plays. I mean, he knows his limitations. He's he's able to take the space that teams give him. you know they're not going to respect his jumper, or at least from three, as as you know they, as they shouldn't. They shouldn't respect his jumper, but he's able to kind of feed off that space that their defenders are giving him off the catch and make plays for his for his teammates. Um, I've also really liked seeing him on the short roll. They run some pick and rolls with Fred Van Vliet, with Scotty setting the screen. Scotty gets it at the top of the free throw line and is able to make good decisions for his teammates. So. Stuff like that is a really good sign that Nick Nurse is able to trust him with that kind of responsibility, and he's scoring the ball way more than people thought he would be able to. So, I mean, you you cannot you can't say enough good things about this draft pick. Absolutely, and and they got a lot of grief for the the draft pick. Uh, you know, everyone thought they would go with Jalen Suggs, but they went with Scotty Barnes. Uh, another big deal for them is they got Pascal Siakam back. Adding him back to the lineup will be great for them, um, offensively and defensively. It gives them another big. And, um, you know, I, I, Precious, um, how, do you, how do you pronounce his last name? I always say it wrong. Achua. Uh, Achua. Yeah, Precious Achua. He, he's been playing a lot, um, and he's been the most inefficient player in the NBA. Like, literally the most inefficient player in the NBA. So I, I, I think the less minutes he gets and the more minutes that Siakam uh, can get as he, as he makes his way back to the lineup, they'll, they'll get even better. Yeah, it's been, it was interesting to see that Siakam played for the first time against Brooklyn on Sunday, and they started him at the five, um, as you said. So it was interesting to see kind of a non-traditional center. Um, I think he's set for a bounce-back season, and I think that the uh, Raptors have been struggling to get to the rim, and I think Siakam's going to be able to help in that aspect, get downhill. He loves to, you know, do his spin move and get to the hoop. And um, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited to see. This is a very interesting team. Um, I've liked Svima Hailuk. I've loved his effort on defense, and he's been a good shooter. And he has some pretty he has some pretty good explosion near the hoop as well. He had some some posters that I saw. So he's been exciting to watch. They've just got a lot of, a lot of players. I uh, it's an interesting mix. I think a lot of them need to improve specific aspects of their game, but um, 
I I have really I've really been liking what I've seen. I feel like Fred Van Vliet's been able to kind of do a good job of playmaking a little bit better with the departure of Kyle Lowry. He's that's never been really his instinct. But I feel like Fred Van Vliet's kind of been turning into a guy that he can be whatever they need him to be on a given night. He can be a catch and shoot guy on a given night, help his teammates out. He can take on big defensive assignments. Like he's just a really really impressive player and he was was he undrafted or a second round pick I, I don't remember but um it's just impressive what he's done with his career and uh yeah they've just got a lot of cool players and a lot of a lot of cool schemes they've been running out too so it, it, it's so awesome that they have like these versatile long defenders who can switch on to multiple positions and a coach who's willing to try new things so um um i'm just excited to see uh i don't think this is going to be the season that they win a playoff series necessarily but I'm definitely on the lookout for them in the future. Yeah, for sure. Fred Van Vliet did go undrafted, so um, it's been fun seeing him. Well, I mean, it hasn't really been fun seeing him burst onto the scene for us. But Look, we won a title, so I, that's I, true. I'm okay with that now. <laughs> no, that's that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I, you know, they're just a really well-run organization. Um, you know, they, they have... Masai is awesome at his job, and Nick Nurse is great at, at his job. And, um, you know, they have a lot of interesting pieces that they're they're making work right now. Uh, but like you said, they're, they're not a true contender yet, but maybe they could be down the line. Anything else on the Raptors before we move on? Yeah, I think one thing is, I mean, you don't want to get too deep into, like, psychological, you know, you, you, we, we don't know what players are thinking. We don't know what's going on. But Siakam took a lot of heat last year. And I think that it might help him that he's just not going to be asked as much now because we know that OG can literally be like a star. Like that's what he's shown so that there's a lot less pressure on Siakam being like the franchise player for this team. So I think he could really thrive in that role. And um, Gary Trent Jr. is also just, I talked about him defensively, but offensively, like he's just really impressive. Like he can hit step back threes. He's got a really good mid-range game. And he's just kind of a player that, I feel like when their offense bogs down, and it will bog down at points, that Gary Trent Jr. can just go and get a bucket. So I think that um, that was a really good addition midseason last year as well. So yeah, the really, really, really fun team to watch. I love I love watching them in transition and on defense. Half-court offense can get a little bit a little bit stale, but um, they've definitely, they're definitely a, uh, an exciting team. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to uh, a new segment. So why don't you explain what it is? Um, okay, so I feel like we always, you know, say the words like, expect that, do we, like, oh, we expect that to come down, or we expect that to stay, we'll see if that sustains. So I thought, why not just make a game out of it? Call it, will it sustain? And um, my brother has not heard what these uh, categories are yet, but I'm going to ask him if something will sustain, and you're just going to tell me your reasoning and why you think it will sustain or it won't. You ready? All right, let's do it. Um, my first thing is Philadelphia top five in offense. So I think right now they're either the second or third best offense in the league, and they are shooting the the best in the league on three pointers. They have some good shooters. We'll see. We'll see if that can sustain. But um, that might maybe a junior decision making if you think that they'll regress a little bit. But what do you think, Philadelphia top five? Can they finish in the top five in offense? You know, uh, well, top five. I I don't think they they. I mean, I think it's possible. Actually, I think. I, I maybe wouldn't have said it before the Bucks game last night where they play the Bucks and they just went crazy with literally all of their best players being out. Um, Maxi has been really good for them. Cork Moss is a good shooter. Seth Curry has been awesome for them offensively too. 
I think they do have the opportunity to be a top five um, offensive team this year. Uh, I think something to keep in mind is I think a lot of the teams that a lot of good teams that have been struggling, I think they'll sort of pick it up like, you know, the Bucks and the Lakers, um, even though I don't think the Lakers are that good, but I do think that they will get better offensively. And, um, but I mean, outside of like the Bucks, the Nets and the Jazz, I'm, unless I'm unless I'm missing and the Warriors probably so I guess those are yeah. four teams right there who who I expect to finish above the Sixers but I think the Sixers I mean can Chicago honestly I could see like finishing the top five in offense as well yeah I mean I just think the Sixers are a more efficient team but I guess that hasn't necessarily been I mean DeMar DeRozan and um Zach Levine have been pretty efficient so right. Um, I, I expect their efficiency to go down, though. So I'm going to say, yeah, I think they will finish in the top five. Yeah, one thing to look out for, too, is that Joel Embiid, actually, he's been he's been great in a lot of ways this year, but he hasn't been super efficient. He def- he's definitely not playing at that same level offensively, at least scoring-wise, that he was in, his, in the peaks of last season for him. So, um, yeah, if you're looking for their offense to improve, looking at their superstar center is a, is a, is a great way to do so. But... Uh, he is uh, in health and safety protocols right now, along with um, Tobias Harris. So that is kind of unfortunate for them, um, as they were off to an eight and two or eight and three start. But they lost to the Bucks last night. But uh, hopefully, they can. Uh, they're going to need a lot from Tyrese Maxey and um, and Seth Curry going forward, because uh, I think they're both symptomatic, Harris and Embiid. So hopefully, that doesn't mess up their season too badly. But they've been off to a great start, and they deserve credit for that. Yes, I mean, Seth Curry got a foot contusion too, so we'll see. You know, I, I don't expect him to miss a lot of time, but he might be a little bit touch and go right. going forward. I, I, I do think the Sixers need a, a facilitator. Uh, I think they need a point guard. Um, but we can maybe talk about that on a different show. Yep. Um, and you actually mentioned DeMar DeRozan uh, in, when talking about the Bulls previously, and Matter of fact, as a matter of fact, DeMar DeRozan is my next topic in Will It Sustain. He's averaging 26.8 points per game right now. Do you think he can sustain above 25 points per game? Above 25 points per game? Yeah. Um, well, I certainly, I think it's possible, but I, I don't think it'll happen. Um, I, I do expect him to become, you know, a little bit less efficient. He's been crazy efficient this year. I think... You know, Zach Levine, just having someone, another superstar score on the team, um, it's difficult to, to sustain being above 25 points per game, um, especially when you aren't necessarily the main guy, unless maybe he is the main guy. Maybe Zach Levine isn't the main guy anymore. Um, but I also expect Vucevic to sort of pick up his game offensively um, and become more involved uh, with the offense uh, and just be better. Honestly, his problem has been he just hasn't been scoring and shooting the ball well. But I think he'll be in that 20 to 25 point range, but I, I think above 25 is just too much. I, I don't see it happening. The Bulls have had some really easy games early on in the season. Um, and, you know, I th- they've already played the, the Pistons twice. So I think um, going forward, they're just going to have a tougher schedule. And also, like I said, I think the other guys are going to become more involved and the team as a whole will become less efficient. So I, I don't think he'll be there at 25 points per game. Yeah, I think that's a good point about um, Vucevic's volume increasing that might cut into DeRozan's points per game. Um, but 
Yeah, he is. I think he's taking a touch over two threes a game and hitting like 42% of them, which is almost like averaging close to a three a game. Um, so we'll see if that can sustain. If he feels comfortable taking catch and shoot threes, and that'll that'll give them definitely um, an even more explosive offense that they can look forward to. But Chicago, props to them. Uh, even you know, no matter who they played, they've been off to they they've they've uh, started off to a good start that's not the best way to say that but they've had a good start to the season and um hopefully their success can sustain for their sake um up next and will it sustain i have the offensive explosion for the nba so teams have been putting up an 107 offensive rating on average which would be like the lowest since like the 90s or sorry, sorry, that would be the lowest since like 2015. And a 34% three-point percentage, that would be the lowest since like the 90s. So will this offensive downslide sustain? Will teams be able to put up more points than they've been putting up per 100 possessions? Will they not be able to? Will they shoot better from three? Are the balls affecting their, their three-point shooting downslide? Um, is it the fans in the stadiums? What What's going on? And will it sustain? Well, um... Uh, oh, the balls are weird. They they definitely look different. Um, just being at two basketball games this year, I, I I don't know how much that's really affecting it, but the balls do look kind of suspect. If I'm being honest, um, I think it will sustain. I mean, I think it depends what you mean. I I think teams will start shooting better, but I think we will have one of the worst shooting seasons in the last decade at the, at the very least. Um, I think, you know. You mentioned the fans. I think that's read a really underrated uh, aspect. A lot of these teams haven't played with fans in two years almost. Um, so, well, I guess a year and a half. Um, so, uh, you know, it's that's something that might make shooters uncomfortable. They were literally shooting in empty gyms before. I think a, a big thing is the rule change is, um, you know, they players are still trying to draw fouls at times, but they're not getting them. I think players will just stop trying to draw those and... Um, you know, I think we see multiple times a night players chucking up threes trying to get fouls. I think if you eliminate that, that'll help a little bit. And I also just think teams will start shooting better. I think they'll have to. But, you know, last season, I think we had the three best offensive ratings of all time or something, or three of the top five offensive ratings of all time. I just don't see that happening this season. The The NBA has been more physical, which I like. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I think teams will improve, but I think the down word trend will sustain as, I, as you know in terms of year to year i think that's a good point um i think that's especially a good point about like players trying to chuck up shots and draw fouls like actually an interesting part about this is that three point attempts per game are actually the highest ever or i think even per 100 possessions so um and those those take up that's part of the three point percentage and obviously exactly. wasting a possession on offense so as players adjust to the new rules, the offense will get a little bit better as they finally learn how to like stop trying some of the tricks that have been working. And you can't blame them for trying them in previous years because they were working, but they're going to have to adapt, and I think players will. So I think that's a good point. I think, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. It'll, it'll, it'll be a worse offensive season than the previous years, but it might be a little bit exaggerated right now. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and that's that was exactly kind of my point that you articulated. Like, those those chucks are literally contribute like directly contributing to the numbers so um 
Are there any more uh, sustain, will it sustain questions or is that it? Nope, thank you for playing, but we can, we can bring it back another week. I think I think as long as we're like near the beginning of the season, it feels fair to keep playing. Yeah, for sure. Um, it might not be on every single episode, but uh, definitely a fun game that we can have going forward. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter at ClearOutPodcast. Email us at ClearOutPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Uh, and send in any questions you might have for us uh, that we can discuss about the current NBA season. With that, though, we are going to get out of here. See you guys next time on Clear Out.